Welcome to the Restore Tribe with your host, Sherry and Truth. Hey there, beautiful people. Hey, I am so very grateful that you are spending a bit of your precious time with me today. If you're anyone like me, you are careful with your time. With whom you lend an ear to, you want absolutely no mess at all, and you love to learn and grow. And you also love a good kiki. And I can provide all of that for you. Now, I just want to let you know, the Restored Tribe is brought to you by Champ Restoration. Champ Restoration is a transformative life and wellness coaching resource for new and aspiring women leaders to reduce toxic living and beat the superwoman syndrome. So sit back, relax, and let yourself flow and sip on some tea, water, wine, or whatever is your pleasure because we are growing and going to new places. Hello and welcome, beautiful people, to episode three, part two of A Recovering Superwoman. And yes, that recovering superwoman is me. So listen, I want to share the framework of this episode so you understand what you're about to hear. I'm going to be talking about the restoration period of my life, particularly the last 10 years, and it's still ongoing, but it is quite a story, and I really hope that Uh, you all are able to hear nuggets and apply it to your life or kind of have an aha moment. I'll explain it in three phases. The one, it's the examination, two, discovery, and three, restoration. So let's unpack that a little bit. So number one in examination, you'll hear me get really real and honest about me looking a lot closer within myself and me sharing how uh, it was most beneficial for me to take correction and learn to take correction and love. And I was never the same after that. Okay, the second phase, discovery. This was extremely uncomfortable, yet I got so very clear. Clear on purpose even more and how I'm to use my gifts, talent, and time. Basically, how to steward and manage um, my gifts. and. Three, uh, the restoration uh, phase. You know, when you restore, when you get restored, you get back. But in God, you get even more. It's kind of like an Ephesians 3.20 effect. So overall, I discovered patterns um, within myself, areas that I did not care for, areas that I did not like. And this was before therapy. Actually, it was the Lord who revealed these things to me, these blind spots within me. And so my relationship with myself soared because I was able to see myself clearly, fully, and able to move forward. I also leaned on God quite a bit, so much. Leaned on him totally, actually. I learned how to do that. And so my relationship with the Lord was firmly established. And that yielded a better relationship with others. So it was a good deal all around. And I just want to just reference in part one, um, I talked about coping habits and I have a healthy coping habit um, that became the Restored Tribe is when I created space. I just wanna talk about this other coping habit I had, which were many unhealthy and toxic coping habits in the past, but one that is so socially acceptable, I have to share it with you all, and it is being a workaholic. Um, 
basically I was not able to separate when I needed to work out inner issues. It all kind of came together with the work that I'm passionate in doing. And the Lord really worked a spiritual surgery in me. And this whole episode hangs on Ezekiel 36, 25, 26. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and your idols, and I will give you a clean heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And listen, this all happened because I said yes and became a full participant of my rescue, and the rescuer indeed is the Lord. So listen, um, I welcome you to hear all four segments, including the final call to action. So enjoy. So in this examination phase, I'm living in the city. And I started, after a while, I started to strategize the safest way to leave uh, what became a toxic relationship. But at the same time, I went 110 miles per hour into all forms of work. Hmm. Well, I will say it's very satisfying work it was, and it was very distracting. So the graduate program, I mean, I had to go full throttle. There was a fellowship attached to that. Then there was teaching students with special needs, and there was a whole lot of planning that had to occur uh, on my behalf. I had to uh, plan, and I had to be very patient, and I was exhausted. This was middle school students. And then there was a leadership program that was ending that I had to you know, attend my last year with. Through all of that, I knew I needed some help. So I decided to find a Bible study in Harlem in a place of worship. And I'm, I'm so excited about, you know, the potential to meet new people, the potential to have intergenerational conversations, to glean wisdom. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking all these things. And when I get there, I hear, sorry, we don't have Bible study. And I'm, I'm, I'm not understanding that. What? How don't you have the peanut butter and jelly of a house of worship? It's a fundamental necessity. This is Bible study. How don't you have that? I don't understand how a well-established place did not serve the people in this way. This is a basic way. I mean, I was pretty confused, pretty annoyed, and really kind of thinking no, there must be an explanation. And it was no explanation given to me. Not, you know, uh, Sister Betty, her kneecap went out. and But even if that's the case, you're going to have someone to replace. That's leadership. You have people ready to step up. Well, I certainly didn't care about the exterior things, the, you know, the amount of people you can pack on a Sunday or the history of a church or fashions. I just really need a healing. And honestly... It was a great lesson for me because it taught me so much about being prepared to serve and that people just need what they need. So you have to get in place and stay in place. Anyways, eventually I was invited to a place of worship in Yonkers. And yes, Sunday service was nice, but baby, that Wednesday, that Bible study held me down. I had this special red notebook 
and I meticulously wrote notes and, 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 and I studied the notes from there, including the scriptures that was referenced in these sermons or, or Wednesday teachings. I mean, I lived in this notebook. If I wasn't planning, if I wasn't doing schoolwork, I was in this red notebook. And it was a very, very special, special thing to me because of the contents of what it held. And you know, it's interesting when you deal with narcissistic people, they'll think everything's about them. And I remember really um, understanding how, wow, this was really a sad situation I was in because this person that I was dealing with at the time thought that the writings in there were all about him. Wow. So eventually I knew it was in my best interest to move, like pick up, pack and move to another place, move to another area. And so eventually when I got settled and through some time, I added a mentoring uh, leadership program to my workload. And when that leadership program ended, I then picked up this other workload. I wanted to put my skills in action. And again, very satisfying work, but very distracting work. And so a friend of mine, a dear sister friend of mine said to me, yeah, I want you to meet someone. And she was talking about a pastor. And I said, all right, reluctantly. And honestly, I just waited. And I saw some changes in her. And I said, okay, I, I, I need to go meet this person. And so my relationship with God was kicked into another high gear, another level in 2011. When I did move, I had an encounter with this special, special person who became my pastor. Now, prior to meeting Pastor Mac, and for a while, like I said, for a while before that, I didn't understand what I was morphing into. I didn't understand what I was becoming, and it wasn't something pleasant. I unknowingly turned into a cold and distant woman. I didn't recognize it. Frankly, I was not a pleasant person. And these are things that were discovered afterwards and that were told to me afterwards when I made such a change in the Lord. As best as I could, I was, I was you know going about life. I was doing the best I could, but I knew I really needed to come uh, to this new place of worship and to meet uh, this woman when my sweet mother, she is so kind. She is such a kind soul. When she, at a separate time, uh, said, you know, to me, <laughs> she and my sister girlfriend said the same exact thing within a matter of weeks. They said, you know, you're acting like a B-I-T-C. Yeah. Again, that was the same message they gave within the same time period. And my mother doesn't cuss. Okay. My mother doesn't cuss. And to her credit, she spelled it out. She let me know what was going on, but she spelled it out. And so she, you know, maintained her composure. Um, but she let me know what was going on. And I appreciated the truth. And I accepted the truth. I didn't, I didn't try to deny it. I just knew something was off, but I didn't realize, I couldn't see myself from the outside. So I didn't know how far it went. Now, the thing was, I, I knew I needed help because that wasn't me. 
I wasn't like that prior to these things happening to me. I wasn't like that. But you can't rest on that. You have to make a firm decision in this examination period. I said, hey, if people who are close to me, very close to me, have known me, uh, my mother, obviously, but my sister girl known me since high school years, I had to make a decision, you know, I need to move forward and be a full participant of my rescue. And so I want to share with you the first time I met with Pastor Mac. She asked um, at the end of service, she asked if anyone wanted prayer. And so I walked up to the altar and I don't know, I thought I was doing my best. I was put together and no one could see what was really going on. I just wanted my prayer and I wanted to go get the prayer and I wanted to sit down and I was trying to even control my healing. How ridiculous is that? But how many people are listening are a little too controlling and even something that would serve them well. So I walked up to her and she said, I don't know who or what has vexed you, but Jesus cares for you. She said some other things. Then she hugged me and she sang a song as she held me tightly. I mean, me knowing her now, I don't know if she made up the words, but it was sweet. And she sang, Jesus cared for me. She just sang it. And it seemed like the song was ongoing, but I, I, I hoped that she wouldn't stop because I needed that embrace. She was so sincere. She was so loving and she was so firm. I didn't want that to stop. I started crying like a baby. I couldn't hold it, started crying. And that was rare for me, you know? Um, and I'm wondering, how did she know? How did she know what I was feeling, what was going on in the inward parts of me, deep inside of me, that was pretty much mask my mind, what I thought was being cordial. Hello, how do you do? And I'm thinking, how does she know? I'm, I'm, I'm confused, but I'm at peace. And I'm trying to fight it is what's really happening. I'm trying to fight what was happening because I had been guarded for so long. How did she know my story? Well, I didn't understand how the Holy Spirit worked at that time. I didn't understand that the Holy Spirit will use his daughter to do spiritual surgery on me. I let that Holy Spirit in my life and I have never looked back. A little bit after, a couple months, I eventually started to fight sickness in my body in 2012 that I spoke of in part one. You know, the infection in my body and the three surgeries and the alopecia and this, uh, this, this, this undiagnosed uh, skin issue that I had. But then there was the deep sadness. There was the, the absence of peace. And, you know, when you have that, you try to lean on others a little too much. You'll lean on exterior things, whether it be over drinking, where it be uh, over sleeping, whether it be sex, whether it be you name it, whether it be work, being a workaholic. And I remember I tried to lean on my friends and I was expecting too much out of them. Everything that I was dealing with was way too much for them to bear. It was way too much. And I will say, I'm so glad that I got hooked up with Pastor Mac and I'm so glad that she made it her duty to teach me to build and establish a relationship with the Lord. 
And I'm reminded of the scripture in John 10, 10. And I did not understand this at the time, but it says the thief comes in order to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have and enjoy and have life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. And this is Jesus speaking about the enemy, the devil. And he's speaking that he's come to restore a relationship with us and that we are to restore a relationship with the Lord through him. Listen, I didn't understand none of that at the time. I just realized that I wasn't as focused, that I was focused on so many other things, but not me, not focused on my relationship with the Lord, not focused on my inner peace. None of that. I realized I wasn't vigilant and the thief is always on his job. The enemy is always on his job, but I wasn't on my job to guard who I am, to guard who I was becoming, to, to understand my gifting and to guard it. I realized that in the next phase, the discover phase, I realized that, but I was not protecting my soul. I was not protecting my gifts. Well, all of this allowed me to enter the discovery phase and I look forward to sharing that with you. So here in this discovery phase, things were super uncomfortable. This was extremely an extremely awkward period. Um, there was a process that was starting to emerge and the process was the sanctification process. Here, I just wanted to get clear on where did these illnesses come from and what was I fighting exactly? Well, what became apparent is that I was living a toxic lifestyle. It was me. I was toxic. You know, that 110 miles per hour um, pace that I was going, that was a problem. And everything that came along with that. So because I was leading some things, I wanted to learn how to reduce my own toxic lifestyle so that I can serve better. You know, once I said yes to moving forward and becoming a full participant in my own rescue, and I had a repentant heart, so that means I made a commitment to turn away from all the things that led to me living unhealthy uh, and all the things that were uh, against God. I did it and I did not look back. But the thing is, number one, it was a process that I had no idea. <laughs> and it was a, such a process that um, got me to a point where I wanted to eliminate things that I liked, things that I loved, things that I was familiar with. And so the first lesson was that my appetite changed, period. My appetite changed in more than one way. Um. I became more aware of what I was eating because, again, I was trying to find this connection and this link of why I had this infection and what was going on with my body. So I became really aware of what I was eating. I recognized, yeah, I, I had this fast food habit that is now forming, um, this addiction because of my on-the-go lifestyle. I really didn't cook as much at the time, and I got used to it. So I realized, though, as cheap as fast food may seem, fast food is not cheap at all. I could not afford the cost of its effects. You know, so I grew more interested in not only how to eat better, but what's optimal eating. 
you know, so I learned and I learned and then I want I got to a point where I wanted formal training. And so I received that through the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. So overall, like once God restored and renewed my mind as he's renewing my mind, my my plate and my life began to be renewed as well. I talked about repentance earlier, but it didn't just stop with food. Once I repented, um, I realized that there was this process I was undergoing that was ridding my mindset of idols, was ridding my mindset of toxic lifestyle and rhetoric and things that I accepted as truth because it was presented over and over and over again. It made sense to me. But you know what I've learned is that intelligence has its proper place, but the wisdom and the move of God trumps all. Basically, what was happening was I was becoming more aware between kingdom living versus societal expectations or societal norms. You know, I recognize that what you give most of your time to can easily become an idol. And it is an idol. What you spend your money and your time on, that lets you know what you're most interested in. Um, And so I realized that there was this deception at play. And my mind was a little distorted because of something that happens all the time, which is this good versus God mentality. You know, you do things that are good, that seem good in the eyes of society. And I did things that seemed like it was good in the eyes of society, but it's not God. It's not what God would have me to do at that time with my talents, with my time. And once I realized that, I was like, okay, wow. This is definitely new. You know, another lesson that came about was that I did not know that the Holy Spirit can speak to me. I did not understand that because in the past, I wasn't reading my word, y'all. I was not at all. I was what they call a lukewarm Christian. I would affiliate, but I wasn't pulling my weight in the spirit, so to speak. I was just a hearer of the word, but not a doer. I didn't roll up my sleeves and put some hands to put some work in. And I mean with myself, because you can't go out and talk about the goodness of the Lord if you are raggedy. And I was raggedy. And I realized that God had to do a work in me. Another thing I realized, I had a checkbox mentality. I would go to worship service or church at check. I would do that instead of understanding Well, in addition to understanding that developing a personal relationship with God is key. Um, So I thought I was doing somebody a favor just by going to church and again, deceiving myself, lying to myself, check, went to church. But if I did not dig into the scriptures, if I was not meditating day and night on scriptures, if I was not living that thing out, what was I doing? Just lying to myself. So it was like having a form of godly, having a form of godliness, but not having the power as a waste. And so I was the problem indeed. One of the things I did realize, like I said, is the Holy Spirit can speak to you. And I remember the day just as clearly that the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I was preparing for a university interview and I heard a soft, still voice. And the question was, um, what diagnostic tools do you use? And the thing is, I realized I had never, ever 
heard that question. Any previous university interviews never heard that question. So as soon as I heard it, I literally said, oh, that's a good question. Oh, I'm going to ask them that. And then I do remember hearing, and, and it was a slight inflection of the voice, a change. What diagnostic tool do you use? And just as quickly, I realized, oh, that's for me. Oh, I'm going to be asked that. Oh, that's a good question. And I wanted to, and you know, I got together and made sure I had those answers. And indeed, during the interview, they absolutely asked that same question that I'd never heard before. And so um, I can't put into words how confident I was going into the interview, how confident and how happy I was. Whether I got the job or not, it was a, the approach, you know, approaching this um, opportunity. I was so excited because I know God had spoken to me. How beautiful, how beautiful that this discovery phase is shaping up to be. You know, I had that tough decision and I still make those tough decisions over and over again to, to take myself out of my comfort zone, but it is so well worth it. You know, many, uh, many of us don't have the energy um, and are trying to commit to a healthier lifestyle strictly through eating. That was me at one point. Um, I was just trying to eat differently so that I can gain more energy, but really it's something deeper. Um, and it is something in to do with our decision-making. Uh, and so as a recovering superwoman, I now know that I must prioritize my life. Um, and the priority isn't just what I think is important, is really um, God. So what's important to you? For me, communing with God is key. It's number one. I have to. It's important. Um I get recharged, refilled, I get corrected, I get more creative, more creative things come to me in that time just by listening um, with God. Obviously, maintaining family bonds are also very vital, they're key, but I have to carve out time for that. Um, and being intentional, staying connected with friends. So, as I said, a lot of my friends are all across the country, and so, a lot of times time zones would get in the way, but you just have to be creative and, and, and plan things. And then there's certain apps that you can leave messages, video messages, and they can see it and you can see theirs. And it's kind of a fun game of uh, tag. So just, you know, you have to really be clear on what you're prioritizing right now and then what it should be. So I would say, um, not understanding this and not creating a clear priority list, that deprives us from energy. That deprives us from the energy that we need to use to do the things that God asks us to do. Now, we are marketed lifestyle changes nonstop in this society. We have to be vigilant. You know, there's this... Uh, standard American diet. Take the standard American diet. It's called SAD. There is an abundance of it everywhere. In supermarkets, even in the quote-unquote best supermarkets, uh, when you're driving, you see this convenience of fast food on different corners. It's everywhere. And if we're not careful, we can grow accustomed to liking food like products. Yikes. Yeah. 
So the toxic foods and the toxic decisions, it adds to the lack of energy that we um, that we allow in our lives. We need whole, real whole foods because it's essential to building a healthy mind, our spirit, and in our body. So what we consume affects our decisions and our actions. So, and when I say consume, I need you to understand by now, when I say consume, it is not just nutritional things on our plate. It is off the plate decisions, things in our lifestyle, things that we listen to, things who we choose to associate with. When I was introduced to fasting, fasting changed the game. So some things only come by fasting and praying. And so a lot was revealed in understanding uh, how sacred uh, fasting and praying is because we get to spend exclusive time with God in a way that perhaps we never have before. Now that I'm out my comfort zone more and more and more, I realize it's important to be guarded and not the kind of guarding I was before where I wasn't as friendly and as loving. No, I mean like to be vigilant and protect the gifts that I have, protect the gifts that are, I have possessed inside of me. Um, it's It was an uncomfortable phase, discovery, um, but I will say that it definitely yielded such growth and such awareness. Um, I welcome you guys to do the same. Discover God's plan for you. Start with, why don't you start with Psalm 51, the NLT version, so it's really crystal clear. Pray and have a repentant heart to turn away from things that do not honor God. Acknowledge him, your weakness, and ask him for help and ask for help. I promise you it will be a time to remember and it will be well worth it. All right, in this last phase, restoration, I've gotten so much back. I'm so thankful and I'm still getting things back. Like I said, it's that Ephesians 3.20 effect. Look it up. What I now know is my booked and busy schedules are over. Productive and fruitful is what's on my plate. That's all I'm accepting. I know that my assignment is what I do. It's not who I am. I'm already a highly valued woman, and I understand that difficulties come, but I know exactly what to do. You know, there's things that have happened to me that were things that were not so pleasant, um, things that happened to me, I would say, but really also happened for me. It matured me and it, it taught me so much. So I'm so glad that I developed a relationship with God before going to therapy at this time. Um, I was able to discern, you know, what were good therapists for me and what wasn't quickly. So I am very excited about the things that I'm learning in this restoration phase. I've also learned and still learning um, better relationship skills and responsible decision-making. There's no doubt about it, I have inner peace and joy no matter the opposition. So that brings more confidence, you know? Um, you know, also to have a restored family relationships, that's priceless, and that's what's happened. Also, I um, my purpose has expanded working with university student athletes and not only working with those university student athletes but having great historic and record-setting success 
and I did graduate from that holistic nutrition school, the knowledge that I've obtained, I cannot keep it to myself. And so that's how Champ Restoration really, uh, the new phase of it has really rolled out. I'm so excited. The things that I learned there, I apply it for myself. Like I said, I am my first customer and I have to be my best customer. And so the physical and emotional health, they're a priority for me. And I learned that the impact that mindset has on my overall health and well-being, well, that it's clear and it's evident. Uh, another thing is that learning how to detox my home, minimize harmful chemicals, helps to energize the space. And that is necessary. That is needed as well. The favor of God is all in my life. There are things that I know that I've seen the hand of God and has kept me safe from harm from harm that I've seen and harm that is unseen. And I'm just so grateful. And you know, I've emerged with even new talents and new gifts. So this phase has been, it's just amazing. It's an understatement and it's still going. So with all of that, my desire is to continue to work and mentor new and aspiring women leaders so that they can operate with all effectiveness, all effectiveness, you know, to eliminate unhealthy characteristics from the inside out and to lay down that superwoman syndrome. It's just not sexy. And to step into being a restored leader. All right, so in this last segment, I always like to give a recap and a call of action. And so just to wrap it up, you know, just listening to it all, I hope you come away with understanding that you have to get acquainted with being uncomfortable. You have to be acquainted with your courage so that you can make huge shifts in your life. Another thing, as I told my story, that spiritual surgery is always in order. Be open to um, the Lord really giving you correction uh, so that, you know, he can press on you to get the me the best out of you. And that no matter how fast your life is, please slow down, guard your gifts, guard your gifts, and do not grow complacent in the area of success that you have right now. I promise you, God always has more. Second to last, intelligence has its proper place, but the wisdom and move of God trumps all. Lastly, please understand that our wellness equips us to complete our God-given assignments. All right, call to action here. Last week, I asked for you guys to list five personal values, whether it be hope, authenticity, integrity, humility, faith, kindness, whatever it is that are a part of your core personal values, get them down, list it one through five. And I'm saying this because for those of you who, one, want to search for a therapist, that would be a good fit is to know what your personal values are so that you can seek it out in this person. Oh, yes. When you go for, you know, therapy, it is not just you receiving service. You first have to figure out, discern if this is the person that you want to be pouring into you. Um, and giving you advisement. So I'd say, yes, that 
would be what you need to do for number one. But I say, please start with seeking God. Seek God and all of his righteousness and the things that you need, he'll provide all of it for you. Okay, seek God. He is actually the number one healer is Jesus. So the second thing is, what do you need to take a stand? Okay, so this week, I want you to really think about where do you need to take a stand, I should say. So is it learning to say no with no explanation? Is it that you are people pleaser and you know that's what you need to work on? Or is it desiring to bring your walls down? You want more vulnerability. Are there patterns in your life you don't care for? Or is it that you just need more self-awareness about where you need to take a stand on? Listen, I pray on behalf of every listener that you do seek God in this. You seek God and where it is that you need to take a stand so that you can have the courage to be able to face yourself. Those things that uh, that that speak to you, that's that you know that you're maybe you're afraid to face. It's time to face it or else you're going to be in a rut for the rest of your life or you're going to be complacent operating at maybe a high level, but there's higher levels. I want you to really Think about where you need to take a stand. This will help you as you, one, go to a therapist, and it will help you if you you simply start with prayer. It will help you, okay? So I welcome you to do that, and I want to hear back from you. And I am so excited that you are here taking the journey to the restored life with the Restored Tribe. Go and visit the official webpage, champrestoration.com. Click on the work with me area and claim your complimentary gift. It is more than a complimentary gift. You'll see. So visit IG, visit Instagram, the Restored Tribe, and take good care.